0: Welcome into the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Balance. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. I am joined by a very special guest. It's been a while, but we always appreciate and enjoy when she comes on and joins us. It is Nikki Chavanel of hogbeat.com. Nikki, it's been a while. How is the month of July treating you thus far?
1: It's not bad at all, Um, but you know, I'm going down to Texas next week and then I was supposed to go to Florida for my best friend from college's wedding. She was supposed to have it like, you know, four months ago, then moved it and didn't think the coronavirus would still be a thing. (laughs) Like a lot of us hoped it wouldn't, but alas, uh, they've canceled that. So I lose some of my fun vacation plans for this month. But other than that, we'll just be on the computer looking out for news about if things are going to happen or not.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're all at and just kind of waiting and seeing. But I want to start just with, you know, what you guys got going on at Hogbeat, because since we were able to catch up about a month ago, uh, you know, there's been some things that have happened, but still, as you mentioned, sports are still kind of mysterious and up in the air as far as if they're happening in the fall. So what has been going on over at Hogbeat for the past month just – kind of trying to make sure that you guys are keeping up some good content for all of your readers.
1: Well, uh, just to make sure everyone, you know, knows who they're talking about and stuff like that, we are doing our roster rundown, which is just every single scholarship player because a lot of people forget. Uh, There have been a lot of non-contributors on the team that, you know, might finally be able to contribute something. So we're through TJ Hammonds today. So, TJ, great example of a guy who has shown some stuff, but still can't get more than like 40 snaps a season. I don't understand why. I mean, he, I know he's been injured a little bit, but anyway, still think he has a lot to contribute. So we've been going through all that and also refreshing people's memory on the new signees that just got to campus because a lot of people, you know, the class, even myself, I don't know those kids as well as I would like to. They signed in such a rush that, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I do remember we got that guy, but I have no idea who he is. Uh, so we've been refreshing that. And then, thankfully, Arkansas's recruiting hasn't been bad uh, over the last month, even though I would kind of thought they'd run out of guys that they were getting close on. The peer pressure has been very real for these prospects. Like they see everyone committing and they just kind of are like, I've never seen this school before, but, you know, Sam Pittman's a nice guy let's see what they got um so they've added like I want to say four maybe three guys since we last talked so and and they lost one well lose one
0: yeah because I I remember uh last time we talked they were kind of still in the process of you know talking with guys and uh and we can jump into that uh here in just a bit about as far as the new commitments but since you brought up T.J. Hammonds in, in the early going that is I think that that might be one of the biggest mysteries of Razorback football over the past I mean geez three or four years where very seldom do you see players that ha- have such a great ability that's showcased on the field like it's one thing to hear about it but it's one thing to see it and we were able to see T.J. Hammonds in a lot of different places in different regards really showcase speed which Arkansas is desperately needed but yet it seemed like the Either coach, Brett Bielma or Chad Morris, was so reluctant in kind of just unleashing it, where it's like, you feel like you got to be a guy you want to unleash. Arkansas is used to big game breakers that can score from anywhere on the field. And when you have one of those guys, it's like, hey, get that guy the ball as much as you can. So you said you don't really understand why. So my question would be, so what is your theory then? What is your theory as to why DJ Hammonds has not ever been that guy that, was featured as much as he should have been
1: i don't know maybe you probably know better than me because he came in the same class as devois whaley and then devois just ended up kind of taking over the role um but you know during tj sophomore year you had three guys ahead of him including chase hayden who got injured but still had more snaps than tj so like then Raheem Boyd gets here and Devois, the incumbent backup, and it's there's just never any room for TJ. And then he's flip flopping between you know working with the running backs and working with the wide receivers, so he never really gets to establish a role with the team. Um, the offense is a mess, so it's like we can't even get Traylon Burks the ball. How are we gonna get it to TJ Hammonds? Like they don't even know what they're doing with these guys, um, and I think that's the case for TJ. And then he. Um, missed a spring uh, before this last season because he got in some academic trouble and he had to go off the team. Then he became a walk-on for a season. And I don't think Chad Morris was ready to just, you know, totally forgive him, but he's got a clean slate with Sam Pittman. Pittman says he's done everything he's been asked to do and he's back on scholarship. So congrats to TJ. I hope he shows something. He's only one of four guys who is still on campus from that 2016 class Eight of them graduated. Six of them transferred. Four medically retired. One was dismissed. D. Walker. I'm sure you remember him. Oh yeah. Um, So it's just a mess of a class, really. Um, And there were a lot of good contributors, but between him, Deion Edwards, um, Jonathan Marshall, and Micah Smith, just not a lot of production between those guys. Jonathan Marshall has a big chance to play some starting snaps at defensive tackle. We'll see.
0: You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right. Well, I guess you got to look at the silver lining in those things (laughs) because when he broke down the class, though, I didn't even realize that, that they had that many players that uh, had either the, they moved on, graduated, but so many of them transferred out and medically retiring. It's just It makes sense because, you know, in recruiting, which you know more so than anybody, it's like you have to build upon classes. You can't just have one shot in the dark, great class one year and expect, oh, well, don't worry, we'll have the success continue on. Like you got to be able to build upon those classes. And if you have one class that fails, then it's pretty detrimental. Like one year makes a huge difference. So I I guess that it it would make sense to me because with T.J. Hammonds and going back to him, I always felt like in those instances, if you completely and totally like remove anything that's make like would make sense, it's got to be the reason why that you won't ever hear. Fred. And What I mean by that is like, if you kept looking at someone like T.J. Hammonds and it made zero sense right. to everyone of why he wasn't getting the ball that way, then it must have to be something that is like kind of in the ether. It like, and I always theorized that it was maybe he just was on the coach's bad side for some reason. Like, yeah. I I just felt like maybe Bielma didn't like him for whatever reason. or uh, Maybe I, he
1: just doesn't know the offense that well. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, and see, and that, but that's like when it goes into him, like, okay, so then that's the coach's job. It's like, all right, so yeah. you don't know the offense. So here, do you know how to run this? Okay, well, we'll run this play for you. And this yeah. is what you need to do. Like, you can really dumb it down for – uh, people who may not understand it but it was almost like a pride thing too I always wonder if like that go went into it with Bielma especially is like he showcased his ability so much and then people kept asking Bielma like hey are you gonna you know what do you think about T.J. Hammonds why hasn't he played more so instead of you know showcasing he's like well I'm not gonna let anybody think i don't know what I'm doing and so I'm not gonna play him for whatever reason I don't know I just feel like it's so weird with coaches and players and the dynamics that they have that where if everyone we just the the fans are asking but if the media who sees things are asking questions like that it's got to be something that's a little more like real it's got to be something that's a little more problematic than just simply oh well you know we just couldn't find a way because rakeem boyd got that some last year too when what was it that the western kentucky he got like three carries in the first half something like that so i don't know i've always found it fascinating though as far as the relationship goes but luckily for arkansas fans they don't have to worry about Chad Morris or Red Bion anymore. They got <laughs> Sam Pittman. And it seems like, and, and I know you probably know better than I would, but it seems like the players that are were recruited by either Bielma or Chad Morris, but more so Chad Morris, have really, like, latched on to Pittman and have really started buying into what he is, which, you know, we'll see how it plays out on the field. But I was honestly expecting a lot of transfers, and – as far as how many transferred out and the ones that transferred in, it seems like most people or people in that locker room are pretty happy or content with what Sam Pittman's doing right now.
1: I mean, I, I agree. People, from my perspective, Sam Pittman is like an underdog, and that's how the team feels right now. He was an offensive line coach, which means you're just generally not in a position to become a head coach. You don't run an offense most of the time, so that really – you know, lowers your chances of being becoming a head coach, but he's so genuine and easy to like. Um, I don't think I've told this story publicly, but I've shared it, like, on the message board before. You know how he got in trouble for calling um, Claire Goodwin, the young lady, or, like, she she tweeted about and deleted it? When he first met me, he was like <laughs> – nice to meet you, human. Like he already knew who I was because of Twitter. And he was like, nice to meet you, human. Nice. nice. I don't know what I'm allowed to say. And it was just like, he played it off so funny that it it would be impossible not to like him. Um, So I think that the players are going to want to play for him more. And the recruits see it. He's very genuine and easy to talk to. Chad Morris was not the easiest person to talk to. He's kind of an awkward guy. And so I think that's a big difference and he's going to create a lot better relationships with his players than Chad Morris could have done.
0: Well, two particular players I want to bring up is Traylon Burks and Trey Knox, because obviously the wide receiver position has been something that they've actually had success with, with uh, Justin Step and uh, the recruiting that's been going on there. Like we know Rakeem Boyd and what he's capable of. We know that Felipe Franks is going to be coming in and, you know, I, wouldn't, I don't wouldn't think there's a high expectation for them. It's more like just do better than what we've seen over the past two years and you'll be good. The offensive line, there's not a lot of expectations there. But it's like if you were going to put expectations on to like people on the offense, it's going to be Rakeem Boyd and then Trey Knox and Traylon Burks. Rakeem Boyd's a little easier because he'll be more of a featured back, but the wide receivers can only be as good as the quarterback that throws them the ball. So we didn't see a touchdown from Traylon Burks last year, which is just asinine. And Trey Knox is a great wide receiver. So now adding into the mix of a Felipe Franks and adding into the offensive mind of Kendall Bryles, what would you feel like would be a reasonable expectation for two of those guys that Razorback fans really enjoyed, one of the few things they really enjoyed of the last last season?
1: Well, Tre'Lon Burks, he has all the tools to be a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, And a lot of people – they put such high expectations on these guys not realizing that in the sec true freshman wide receivers usually don't play a whole lot. And those two got so much early experience that I think is going to make them so much better early on in their careers. And, and Burks, particularly his body, how like, He's so strong-looking and quick. Like That's not something you always find at this level. Usually it's a little bit slimmer, but still quick. So Burks can body someone, and they play him in the slot so that he's such a mismatch for whoever is going to line up against him. It's really hard to stop. And then you add Trey Knox, who is just as tall but a lankier player and slower than Traylon Burks. And the two of them, it makes it much harder to deal with and, and scheme against Uh, defensively but Trey Knox um the vision that Justin Stepp had for him was of Cortland Sutton who is also a tall lanky wide receiver uh he ended up starting his career at SMU as a cornerback um and I think Trey Knox played both ways in, in high school, so there's that connection there. Um, but both slower guys who route running is a really big part of their game. Like they have to gain separation with the craftiness of their of their routes, not with necessarily their speed. Um, but he's got the size again to go up against anyone. Um, so I really like how those guys are going to develop. I think a lot of Razorback fans are going to enjoy watching their journey I think at this point they're kind of unbustable like they are going to continue to do well as long as a quarterback can get them the ball and I think Felipe Franks puts them in a much better position to do that than the guys they had previously
0: you are locked on Razorbacks your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast yeah, because it's like, you know, you keep thinking that it won't get any worse and it can't get any worse, but you never will say that because Arkansas fans didn't think it could be any worse under Bielma, but as we all know, it did. But it's like, I'm excited about the offense and I'm excited to watch the offense. I'm excited to watch uh, Felipe Franks with all those weapons that he has around. and I'm excited to see the, uh, the offensive line and whatever they end up doing as far as, you know, development. But I, w- I will fully admit on the defensive side of the ball, I have no idea what to expect. I have zero clue. I know that bumper pool's pretty good, <laughs> and um, you know, I think that there might be a couple of defensive linemen that maybe could make some strides. But that's like it. Like that's all I know. That's all I really can like point to and say, yeah, this is this is what I believe. So knowing that you got Barry Odom as your defensive coordinator and the guys that he has to work with. I think improvements can't happen, but what, what can happen? Like, what is it, what is, what is going to be something that you can say, Hey, Razorback fans, watch this guy or watch this unit because it's going to make some tremendous strides this upcoming season.
1: I still don't think the defensive line is going to be able to create as much pressure on the quarterback as the general sec defensive line is expected to do. Um, that might change if Dorian Gerald can really, you know, reach his peak and, first of all, regain the starting spot. Um, Mateo Soli, I still feel like he's um, gonna take some more time to develop, but it's great that he got early playing time. The middle of the defensive line with Xavier Kelly, we really have no idea what we're getting. Um, he wasn't a starter at Clemson; um, was sometimes a third string guy for Clemson. So there's just not a whole lot of expectations, but I do know they expect him to contribute a lot. So that's really, I guess, on the coaches and hoping that they evaluated that talent well and have a plan for him. The the linebackers, again, you're counting on a guy who didn't do much um, in Levi Draper, the Oklahoma linebacker. He only really played special teams for the Sooners. uh, So... They're hoping they got him evaluated well out of high school as a four star. I think he was in the Rivals 250. Bumper pool, he's just going to keep getting better. I really like everything he brings to the table. I don't think that uh, the defense maybe put him in the best positions last season, but he has all the qualities of um, the linebacker that you're looking for. Um, And then the secondary, it's a mix of veterans with experience who haven't always played very well and then younger guys who haven't played that well because they are young Um, so they just kind of have to get better and I feel like Barry Odom working with the safeties is going to make a big difference and Sam Carter uh, the cornerbacks coach he was a I don't know if he was like all conference or whatever but he was really well respected at TCU when he was a safety there so I know that he has uh, the The knowledge to make those guys better in the cornerback's room. And Monteric Brown was already pretty solid. Uh, Jarquez McClellan could afford to get a bit better. But in that realm, we kind of know where the pecking order is at corner at safety. You just kind of have to hope that Jalen Catalan is all that he was advertised to be coming out of high school. Um, he had an ACL tear as a senior, and then he had a shoulder injury his freshman year that they only let him play in three games. Uh, so, I think he'll find his own. Like, he is a phenomenal kid, Uh, one of my favorite recruits when he was going through the process. Uh, But overall, I think you're going to see a lot of strides because purely Barry Odom is going to make them play better and harder. Um, I think the SEC Network tweeted out because they're showing the Mississippi State game from last season where they ran for, like, a record number of yards. So they tweeted out the highlights, and I'm just – sitting there watching the Arkansas defense. And it's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you moving? Like, you see Joe <laughs> Fouché about to go for a tackle, but the guy's oh, coming, like, your angle is terrible. Why aren't you already moving? <laughs> so I just feel like the coaching level is going to be better yeah. uh, with these guys that than with Chavis because Chavis just didn't seem like he cared very much anymore. Um, Mark Smith, while he is a great recruiter and everything, he had – didn't have that much experience to qualify him for SEC cornerbacks coach, you know, like normally those guys have a lot of experience. Um, Sam Carter at least played defensive back in, you know, a power five team. So I really think they're going to be better, but how much better that's, that's really up to the players, I think.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned. That. I was watching during my show. We had the SEC Network on, and I was watching yeah. the Arkansas Mississippi State game, and I was laughing. I guess sad, but I was laughing. I think that's why I had to laugh because it was so sad. Of like, just the ineptitude uh, across really the down board. Down their
1: throats. It was so bad. Like
0: I and I saw the play where like Joe Fouché got trucked, and I'm like, it looks like a SEC football team playing a high school football team. Like it was just so so bad and that's where everyone's hoping that the improvements can be made just by coaching like I don't think anyone thinks that Arkansas just has a plethora of elite talent but surely surely they have at least a team filled with guys that can be competitive if given the right coaching in the right circumstance which leads me to a question that I normally wouldn't ask because I don't really care that much or yeah you let me rephrase that I didn't used to care as much but now I do and that's about the dadgum special teams because I, I, the <laughs> oh, plays that I have seen in, in the past five years in Razorback football on special teams, it, it's, it's just honestly, it's so impressively bad that you can be – it takes a lot of effort to be on the Sports Center top ten and not top ten play at the same time. And Arkansas found ways to do that. So Scott Fountain, uh, you know, they have a special teams coach, which I've been begging for. Like, it's hard to say, hey, can the special teams be better? But do you think that special teams and having a special teams coach makes as much of a difference as I do?
1: I think it does. If you look at Arkansas's, like, consistent starting field position, it was really bad. Like, they – (laughs) Terrible. Most teams, you know, once – a game or so they'll maybe get lucky and get a good run back like past the 50. Arkansas just never seemed to get that even with Traylon Burks who I think is fantastic on special teams but it just scares me so much every time he's out there. I don't think they need to use him out there if they can find anyone else. T.J. Hammonds.
0: <laughs> yes get him the ball.
1: That, that should be your role and he was kind of moving into it at the end of the season but um Yeah, Scott Fountain, that hire is so huge in more ways than one, because he is actually a phenomenal recruiter, which I didn't know much about, because usually, like, on people's profiles, you click their main recruiter, and it's usually their position coach, but Scott Fountain doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, Down in Florida, he has a lot of cred, and in Georgia as well, obviously, because he was at Georgia, but yeah, I don't, Barry Lunny is a great coach, but as a special teams, you know, coordinator or whatever they promoted him to. I just don't think that the coaches had that much bandwidth to do that. And it kind of seemed cheap for Chad to like, you were here before. How about you take this? It maybe, Mary Mary, maybe Lenny wanted to do that, but it just didn't seem like the smartest move to me.
0: No. And like, I, I was trying to and actually, it's, it's kind of like sad, but I actually got in almost like a discussion with my friends, of like, okay, so let's try to think of the worst special teams play. Like the the North Texas fake punt, that the chest pass. Yeah, see, that's what I say. I say the chest pass against Auburn because the, the
1: fake t- punt, like that, was a really good. Who? Yeah. I didn't know you could do that, so I can kind of understand what happened. Yeah, but the chest pass. We saw them practicing it, and we were like, "What? What is that?" What? <laughs> Please tell me this is a joke.
0: <laughs> it's like, even if it worked, I, I like, even if he caught it, like, I just, I don't know. Like, and I've listened, you got to be creative on special teams when you're running fakes. I get it. Like, but that play in that position, I, I don't even know what I they wonder were
1: where they got it from. Where did they see it?
0: High school. I mean, that's like, that's the only place I, I could think of. It's like, surely if you could ran this in-
1: one time in the 19. 19- yeah. 91 state championship.
0: Yeah, it's like, and it, and it worked to perfection. It's, and, and it's, but it's like, even if when they, when they threw it up and Auburn picked it, I, I was just sitting there. I was like, listen, I know that we've seen some bad special teams plays. And even Arkansas in general, they, they've been plagued in certain regards to bad special teams play. The Reggie Fish play of 06 and the SEC championship game comes to mind.
1: I totally but, know what you're talking about.
0: You do. I'm sure you do. Totally. (laughs) Just know that it cost Arkansas an SEC championship. All right. Just just know that. But like, I, I know it happens, and I know mistakes happen. But the stuff that we've seen over the past few years in special teams is just there's no excuse for it. And and so like when I think of these plays, I think I feel like that's like that's the summary of what we've seen under Chad Morris. It just was. Let's just throw it against the wall and see what happens. And that's what you felt like so often. And so I'm thinking that structure and organization and, like, experience in the SEC, which is what this coaching staff has a lot of, that alone, you're not – like I would bet money, we're not going to see a special teams play like we saw in that regard under Sam Pittman. I just feel like the – the ineptitude of the previous coaching staff in regards, but also the competence of Sam Pittman and knowing this conference, knowing football and knowing uh, what's the, you know, what's the right thing to do and how to do it. I think that alone is what's going to maybe not win games for Arkansas, but it's not going to cost them games this year.
1: I mean, thank God for Connor Limpert. That was the only good thing about that special teams. And now he's gone. So we'll see. I mean, Scott Fountain has to answer that question, and I'm not going to go into it because Hutch tomorrow is writing our, like, special teams preview, and he's really the master at that. But – and Sam Pittman, like, his personality and everything, the ideas and the flow of, like, discussion between the coaches, I feel like is going to be so much healthier than what it was with – I mean, can you imagine, like, trying to, like, pitch an idea to John Chavis?
0: No. <laughs> no, I couldn't because I feel like it would just be hey, you know, we we could hey, run. How long you coached? <laughs> yeah. And well, and I remember like he was, didn't he make like, was it $1.2 million last year or something? It was a lot of money. Yeah. Like it's just, uh, you know, I'm like I
1: don't know. The best defensive coordinator.
0: Oh yeah, that whole thing. Everyone and I remember people honestly thought it was going to be Brent Venables, like when Chad Morse arrived. He like right? oh, the Clinton brothers connection,
1: brothers, for him to come do that.
0: Yeah, and and then it's like, oh, we're going to get the best, and he ends up with John Chavis. and it was like, okay, you know, all right, maybe, you yeah. know, maybe he still got some fire in him, but we all knew, like, everything was just so disastrous. And I feel I feel better about everything going forward. And now it's just going to be a matter of you know. Sam Pittman I think has hired a pretty good staff but when these guys leave which like I would not be surprised if Barry Odom left after year one if he's like pretty good like if he turns the defense around I think he's good enough I don't Uh, think he should have been fired Missouri. what's that
1: yeah I I feel like just for continuity it would be ideal if he would at least stay for two years but yeah I feel like he's gonna do a pretty good job by the standards of where the team is that he's going to earn his way back into a head coaching job. I mean, he, he hardly should have been fired. So it's.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so that's why I'm like, I think that it's like you got somebody at least that in Sam Pittman, that seems like he's got a lot of coaches that want to play and coach with him. So I got, going to be the ultimate key. I know we're putting the cart before the horse, but it's like, if they can have success, that success is going to lead to these coaches leaving, Mm -hmm. but can Sam Pittman reload those coaches and still uh, make some pretty good hires? I think he will be, but again, we're, we're, we got to get to the point where we can actually start talking about a successful season of, you know, something better where you're actually winning conference games nonetheless. But, um, but anyways, all right. So I know we got to wrap up things here on this, but I have to ask you as well, just, uh shameless plug if you will if like people wanted to you know read hogbeat and like be involved read? and yeah and like post on your message board and you know really become a true contributor to the wonderful website that is hogbeat.com uh, what do you have coming up to entice them that they would want to join your wonderful website
1: well we just finished a really good deal um, it was free access through fall camp so if you follow me on twitter i hope you did it Um, If not, you can always get 30 days free with code HOGS30 and that's H-A-W-G-S 30, um, the number 30. So yeah, 30 days free. You can check us out. You'll get addicted to the message board most likely and then you'll want to stay forever and I won't get upset when you DM me questions every single day. You can do that when you subscribe to Hogbeat.
0: It's almost, is that like something that happens? Like some people DM you every day?
1: People really like getting their information straight from like someone who follows it very closely every single day. And I totally respect that. Like, why would you not? My DMs are open. But I do, like, after a couple questions, I'm like, hey, do you subscribe to Hogbeat? Because you know Totally sure. You you clearly love Razorback Sports. You should be on here. You know, other people will also chime in and give their thoughts too. It's fun. Some people aren't about that. They just want to talk to me, which is fine too. But The least you can do, use the free thirty day promo, Hogs Thirty. I'd appreciate it.
0: There you go. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like I get people that ask me and DM me stuff. Like if I if I'm in the know, and I'm like, man, I'm in radio. And let me go check hogbeat.com. Exactly, it's like let me go go onto their website and I'll give you an answer. And I don't know if it'll be the right one, but uh yeah, it's all about perception. If people, I can give the perception that I am in the know and I know what I'm <laughs> talking about, then people will follow suit. So I'm, I'll take it. But no, they do a great job at Hogbeat. So if any of you are looking for some great Razorback content, head over to hogbeat.com and sign up with them. Nikki, as always. We appreciate it. I know that you're a very busy woman hanging out in Centerton, the great city of Centerton. (laughs) So, uh, But uh, enjoy the rest of the month of July, which I know you will, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you in August, and hopefully next time we catch up, it'll be talking about fall camp coming
1: up. (laughs) That would be amazing. See ya. All right.